Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Here with me today as my guest host is Brian. Brian, say hi. Hello! Brian is a Washington alum. They were in the UW marching band, and now they're just a good friend of ours, one of our favorite humans on Twitter. We love to sit for Brian in our Pac-12 group chat. You can find Brian at B underscore C-H-I-Z-Z-L-E-1-7, Chisel17 on Twitter. Um, and as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Podcast and send us emails at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our football episode talking about the Pac 12 um, and Pac 12 football. This was supposed to be our last football episode of the season, but because, uh, as you've probably noticed, Avery, Greg, and Matt, the Utahns, are not here because they're still <laughs> driving back from LA or they just got done driving back from LA. Um, so. We'll we'll jump on one more time next week so that we could do our finale. Uh, so just a quick programming note: we'll be doing it one more time next week. Uh, for now, we have Brian here um, to talk with us about what happened over the bowl, uh, you know, this past bowl season and uh, with all the bowl games that happened. So one question I had for you, quick, real quickly, Brian: Were you in the marching band like all four years that you did? Yeah, twenty. Is that like a thing? Yeah, okay. all four. Twenty sixteen through. Um... Shoot, would that be 2019, 2020? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and were, were you like, so do they like recruit people out? They they do recruit people out of high school to join marching bands. Were you like recruited or whatever? Yeah, sort of. Like they do the like early season like game where they invite a bunch of high schools up for um, um where they get to play on the field with the band. And so I um had a lot of experience with the Husky band in high school. and. Um, you know, in-state kid. So yeah. it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Very cool. Well, I will definitely be asking all of your thoughts about the marching band stuff that went on. Because I know I know shit about the marching band. I don't know anything. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely going to be asking for your advice uh, and, and your insight. I don't know your advice. I'm not going to be in a marching band um, throughout you the should. rest of these bowl games. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's start with the the game that just happened yesterday, uh, an electric Rose Bowl. Utah lost to Ohio State in one of the most heartbreaking ways that a team can lose the Rose Bowl, forty eight to forty five. Utah was up big in this game. Um, I believe they were up three scores. They went up uh, uh, twenty. It got up to as high as I think the biggest lead was. Oh, it was only two touchdowns, twenty-one to seven early on. Um, at the by halftime, it was thirty-five twenty-one after Utah and Ohio State exchanged what five touchdowns in two and a half minutes, something ridiculous like that. Slowed down in the second half, but we still had set a a lot of scoring there. So, um, yeah, Utah loses. Heartbreaking. Did you? How much of this game did you happen to watch? And what did you think about uh, uh about Utah and their performance against Ohio State? You know, I spent my entire New Year's Day on the couch watching college football, and you <laughs> always turn on the Rose Bowl, and you watch it front to back. Um, I think I downed, like, three ciders during it. Um, <laughs> it was electric, one of the best college football experiences that I've, like, had from my couch. Um, I don't know. I was extremely jealous of all of our friends there. What a game. Like, yeah. I I was just enjoying every moment of it. Yeah, it was a uh, it was cool. I it, like I thought it was uh it was extremely fun and it looked like for a while that Utah was going to kind of run away with this although I think I think probably did you feel that way? Did you feel like uh you know when Utah was up 35-21 they kind of were kept Ohio State two touchdowns behind. Did you feel like they were going to run away with this or did you have an, a feeling that Ohio State was going to kind of come back? You know, the first half just felt all Utah, like all the momentum was all Utah. Um, Ohio State seemed a little bit shocked that um, they came out so fast. But I've seen Blue Blood teams play in person before, and there's always like some five-star kid that you've never heard of, or maybe you should have heard of, but haven't yet, that just burns you at the moment you least expect it. 
Um, and geez, did CJ Stroud and uh, Smith and Jigba? Holy cow, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was insane. So, uh, uh, Ohio State receiver uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, had 15 catches for 347 yards. That was apparently a bowl game record across all FBS. Like in FBS history, every bowl game ever, this was the biggest performance from, re- from a receiver in terms of receiving yards. He went off, and uh, Utah had like zero answers for him. Um, so that was that was tough to watch defensively because we have known. I mean, we had known Utah as a defensive team all season um they kind of struggled this year more than i think they had last year but really kind of came into their own in the second half uh particularly because they were so young they just had a lot to work with um but man they were hanging on by a thread like it it kind of felt like um a version of the oregon ohio state game where like yeah oregon was up two touchdowns and, and and but they you know oregon was always responding offensively but ohio state was doing whatever it wanted like in the last half of the game um, and Utah was hanging on by a thread for all of the second half. Um, and really, I mean, for them, Clark Phillips, the third was like, he was their MVP this game, despite the fact that, uh, Ohio state burned them defensively. Clark, Clark Phillips, the third, their defensive back. I think he's only a sophomore. He's their highest rated recruit in history. Their most talented player ever coming out of high school. Uh, he, he fucking owned this game um he was all over the place defensively forced a turnover uh he actually might i think he forced two turnovers had a couple of really important tackles and really critical moments he stepped up i felt like he was uh like you know obviously i think he got beat sometimes by smith and jigba he had you know it's just like inevitable but oh he had i don't know what did you think was he uh was he noticeable to you as a neutral watching this game you know, um, the moment that's burned into my mind is like watching, I don't remember which Ohio State receiver it was, but they were like running down the field. It seemed like a sure touchdown. And then CP3 is there to just like knock it yeah. out. Um, it's just like, it's one of those moments that you felt um, that a team needed to get lucky to win the game. And that I was like, oh man, Utah might actually do it here. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, it was just brilliance from him. Um, everything advertised that utah fans have been raving about yeah yeah he looked he looked awesome and it was it was unfortunate apparently uh makai bernard there um i think he's their second leading running back they got so um they they got so banged up uh in the defensive backfield that they had to have their uh second string running back playing corner which is insane um i think apparently they had been talking about this for a while but like yeah, no wonder Smith and Jigba had so many yards when you had a running back. Was there any, like, for a guy who had to play that for the first time in his collegiate career this season, like, I acquitted himself reasonably well. Like, I think he had a couple of moments, but um, in general, Ohio State was picking on him. So that was that was brutal to watch. Um, I don't know. Did you what did you think about uh, Utah's offense? Uh, you know, like. Kind of felt like to me that they were kind of stagnating, stagnating a little bit. But was there anything that you, that stuck out to you in terms of Utah's offense? I mean, first half, like Cam Rising seemed um, decisive, both on the ground and when he was throwing the ball. Um, I think he fell off a little bit, but um, in the second half. But like as always, the Utah tight ends are just so dangerous and so multiple. Um, it was really impressive. Um, I don't know, Tavian Thomas, he he was running well, maybe not quite as elite in some of the previous games. Um, but I mean, you can't really complain about the Utah offense when they score 45 um, yeah. in a bowl game against a Blue Blood Ohio State team. Um, yeah. Yeah, 200. And they had they uh, they got 463 yards of total offense. Um, pretty insane that Ohio State still gained them by 220 yards uh they had 683 so the utah defense got cooked uh but 226 yards on the ground extremely impressive although it felt like at the end of the game they got really vanilla um it was kind of it was it was um it was bizarre to see them kind of run tavion thomas had some good moments particularly in the first half but in the second half it sort of felt like ohio state was just bottling them up um and there were there was a couple of drives in that second half that Utah kind of faltered. 
Um, and really, that's all it kind of takes against a team like Ohio State, just a couple where Utah got a little too vanilla, got a little too conservative, um, particularly when, and one thing we didn't mention yet, Cam Rising went out. Cam Rising got hit like hard. He His head hit the ground hard, seemingly concussed. I'm sure that will come out that he was concussed, uh, out for the game. His backup, Bryson Barnes, came in. And the that drive, I get why you don't want to you know, stick, like get your backup walk on quarterback in there and then immediately have him start slinging the ball. But, uh, you know, they ran it pretty much every, every opportunity they could until it was a third and long. And he had to try to make something happen on his first pass, uh, you know, of the, of the game of the season. I'm not sure he's thrown a pass all season. Um, a bizarre decision, I guess also to have him come in instead of Jaquindon Jackson, who was their four-star transfer out of Texas, like one of the many uh, like four-star quarterbacks that they had transfer in over the offseason. Um, but it ended up, I mean, it ended up working out well because on the next drive, they actually did not get conservative at all, and they let Bryson Barnes sling it. Uh, he had two passes, two attempts for 23 yards. Uh, he had two completions, two attempts for 23 yards, and that bomb touchdowns <laughs> where it just like came out of nowhere. Um, it wasn't even easy throw, like great screaming from Andy Ludwig, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, they just got a little too conservative on that first drive, and and like it, it kind of sucks that their margin for error was so tiny coming down the stretch. It was like Ohio State was absolutely going to score, and Utah could not afford. They couldn't afford to have a bad drive, otherwise Ohio State was going to catch up to them. Ah, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh man, and like, can you imagine like your first real important college football moment is like game on the line. In the Rose Bowl, the sun's set, so you know it's the fourth quarter, and you're out there. There's like a hundred thousand people in the stands. Like, shout out to Barnes for handling that moment basically as well as you could have. Um, maybe he could have made his throw better on that first drive, but yeah, man, oh, that's like the yeah. stuff. Of, if he would have like led them down to two scoring drives and won the game for them like i don't think utah fans would ever stop talking about him yeah he'd go down in in lore it would it would have been awesome um a lot to ask i guess from your walk-on quarterback in the rose bowl (laughs) um but yeah that was it was an insane game where would you rank it like you know the past i don't know let's say six rose bowls like is this the best rose bowl since when Oh man, that Penn State USC um, that was 2017 Rose Bowl, I still yeah. think was maybe slightly more entertaining. It was like a longer field goal to win it at the end there. Um, I was at the UW Ohio State one, and gosh, that was exciting at the end. Um, yeah. And you had like the Miles Gaskin touchdown pass where he jumps over the line and like pops it in there. Um, yeah. And we were like threatening at the end. Um, geez, and that Georgia Alabama one, I mean, truck stops. Oh, yeah, yeah, truck stops. Or not Alabama, yes, yes. um, Oklahoma, but yes, that one was really good too. Uh, it's it's hard to choose. I might say this is like second best after the Penn State, um, USC one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I, I completely forgot about the Georgia Oklahoma game. I, I kind of hate how the Rose Bowl does these like psych, like cycles into the playoff because we get these like. The, the truck the pure truck stop football uh which is very annoying but um but no it was like i i think i think you're right that penn state usc game also was like a lot more back to, back and forth i felt like um this utah ohio state game was utah getting a two touchdown lead having it for a while and then hanging on by a thread and then eventually at the very end ohio state had its first lead of the game um basically to win it so i think i agree with you although this game was just like more um it felt it was more interesting to me just because we haven't seen Utah in a Rose Bowl before. Like that was kind of cool, um, and to see them sort of do that. Um, but no, I, I think I think that's right. And the crowd was uh, apparently eighty twenty Utah fans. Utah fans knew that this was not like you can't. I think we talk about it as like Pac twelve fans, and like maybe you experience this in the Washington fan base. But like everyone knows the Rose Bowl is the mecca. It's the national championship of the West. Um, but sometimes I think uh, over the past 20 years, like it's only been about four different schools who have gone. And so I think there's a bit of like USC has gone, like had gone like five times before. And Washington, I guess the, 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 when you all went in 27, 2018 was the first time in a very long time. Um, 
But, you know, I, I feel like Utah fans treated it with appropriate respect to be like, we may never have this again. <laughs> we may never be able to do this again. Um, so hopefully they had fun. Uh, what did you, what did you, th- uh, I saw you talking about the uh, Ohio State marching band. What did you think of uh, their performance in, in, in this as, as a marching ba- band aficionado? You know, um, the Ohio State band is just always elite. Um, it's pretty incredible how crisp their forms are how like clean their sound is um the rush show i wish i would have been able to see more of it because they cut away too fast but you know that's just how espn is (laughs) but i mean ohio state is so good on the field it's just always incredible and it's always perfect um and then of course they market themselves incredibly well too they've got like a booming youtube channel where they have recordings of all of their um performances and it seems like they go viral every year for something culturally relevant. And I don't know, they never disappoint. They're always really good. Um, I've had the pleasure of sharing a field with them in that 2019 Rose Bowl. And they're just so good. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever have like, a, uh, so you were in the marching band for UW's uh, Rose Bowl back in, the was it the first one where you, where y'all played did you only go to run one rose bowl in that time yeah yeah so it yeah was the... because 2016 with the peach bowl that's right yes that's right um and then i guess 20 the next year was uh the next year was stanford that went no 2017 who went there i can't remember oh uh Trek i don't stops, remember I think. yeah oh yeah you're right yeah you're right Okay, anyway, I'm getting so confused. It's, it's It'd be much easier if we just stuck with the bull times. I get it, whatever. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, 20, you, all, you all went in uh, 2019. Was there, is there any, like, I don't know, rivalry, smack talk between, you know, the UW marching band and the Ohio State marching band? Like, is there a typical, typically smack talk? Or is it, like, a respectful, like, just kind of, like, you know, we, we respect each other. Like, it's fine. You know, um, it was all, like, friendly band respect. Usually with other bands, um, there's always this, like, wonderful feeling of camaraderie. We'll get together Mm. before the game, maybe. Um, You'll take pictures together at the game. Sometimes you go to the visiting stadium, and the um, other band will bring you snacks. Um, Not every band is nice. Uh, The Penn State band in the Fiesta Bowl um, was, like, Oh man, they were like nearly an hour late to our joint rehearsal. And then when they got there, they made us sit on the sidelines and watch their entire rehearsal. I mean, they're like warm up. Wow. Um, so we kind of hate them. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, the USC band takes things like super seriously. Um, they don't like interact, or they, they used to not like interacting with other bands. They're like, it's the game, it's wartime. Like, we're going to play the same <laughs> song. <laughs> every freaking down yeah. and like blast your ears out but um <laughs> yeah no the ohio state band super friendly really like professional and nice um our band director at uw um he's an ohio state alum so it was a really cool experience for him to like direct his own band while watching his um alma mater on the field there yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, real quick, before we go on to the next bowl game, you mentioned USC. Uh, is like as a casual, as a marching band casual, <laughs> um, and for other marching band casuals, we all hear on TV like they lit- like. I'm glad you said that they play the same song over and over again as like someone who is in a marching band because we hear it. We're like literally every time. Does anyone ever talk about that? Has anyone ever told them this? And do they ever respond like? Do, like who i'm assuming they know this and they're fine with it oh my god they take pride in it they know that it's annoying <laughs> like we literally like fight with them on the old um pac facebook page which is pretty defunct now because nobody uses facebook but like holy smokes they just love it they like dig into that um villain mentality and they're like yeah <laughs> we play the same song every single down and we know that it annoys you and the, the thing that's so frustrating as, like, a marching band person is they're incredibly talented and really good, um, and they have a big music library. They just don't play it, ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, they, they actually could play other things. They do know other songs. It's, it's just that one that they're, they're very into playing. 
Yeah, and if you like see a marching band in a Hollywood film, chances are that's the USC band in like different uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds like them, and and to a lesser extent UCLA. Although I think USC's marching band, I think, is a little more prolific in that sense. But yes, totally. Um, all right. Well, there's a bunch of other bowl games here, so let's let's go through these. Uh, Pac-12 had a horrific bowl season, and we could talk about that later. Uh, yeah, we had a game on New Year's Eve, the Sun Bowl in El Paso. Wazoo was supposed to play Miami in this Sun Bowl, um, but Miami had COVID issues. They had to back out. So then they played, they, they went on and scheduled Central Michigan, which was supposed to play in like the, whatever the bar stools. It was the Arizona Bowl, I think. Um, and Washington State ended up losing to Central Michigan 24 21, uh, a horrifically embarrassing loss for the Cougs. And, uh, the Pac-12 broadly. Wazoo fell behind early in this game um, and were largely non-competitive for most of this and had a comeback attempt kind of late in this one, but came up short. What did you, uh, did you get to watch this game? And like, what did you think of your, of your rivals there? You know, I got to see like the last three quarters. God bless the Sun Bowl for like being on at some terrible time in the morning. Um, yeah. That I slept through my alarm a little bit, but um, so I missed the offensive ineptitude of the first quarter, but man, it just seemed like they did not want to be there for the first half. And then, you know, Delora goes down, gets hurt. Um, you've got the backup in. I can't even remember his name. Um, Victor and I just G- thought like Gabalis, Victor Gabalis, yeah. it looks like. I don't, I don't even know if you say, I can't even remember how they said his name. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And like um, the chips, they're a good Mac team, and they showed it. Um, they they ran the hell out of the ball with Nichols, and oh, I was like, I was laughing because you know, as a as a dogs fan, it's sort of like the little brother <laughs> thing where you like you want to you root for them if they're doing good, like a little bit, and then if they're doing mm-hmm. bad, you just you, you it's great. You can't lose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I did not. I'm just looking at this. I knew Washington State had a horrific uh, day on the ground. They had 23 attempts for 18 yards. I didn't even see that. Um, I'm just seeing that now. <laughs> That's God. bizarre. They scored more points than they had yards, that uh, rushing yards, and lost. So uh, brutal. Well, and, and both Borgie and um, the other running back opted out. So like, I guess yes. that's to be expected. Yeah. Although even with the opt-outs, you would expect, I mean, I, I get it. You know, it was Dion McIntosh, their second string running back. And yeah, Max Borgie, they're obviously their star running back. Uh, both of them out probably hurts that a lot, but man, I just, I just, they, it was, it was just as much about their offensive line. I think as it was their running backs. I, I felt like central Michigan was good. Central Michigan and central Michigan, they don't look big. I was kind of like, I was at first, when I was watching this, I was kind of laughing because I was like, Central Michigan looks tiny. Their linemen look tiny. Their quarterback looks very small. Um, but they were pushing Washington State State's offensive line around. Like they were getting they were getting Jaden Delora wherever he, they wanted him, and then and then their backup, uh, you know, Victor Gabalis. Um, sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Um, kind of pushing him where they wanted to. So brutal, brutal stuff from washington state um and defensively i felt like defensively washington state was fine although again it's central michigan like you would expect you know i think you'd expect them to perform better but um you know especially in the second half i think and and it felt like the vast majority of central michigan's points were coming off of turnovers from washington state um washington well they only had one turnover but um i think they had also had a turnover on downs at some point and central michigan kind of took over in advantageous positions there so um shocking stuff is this uh how embarrassing okay so bowl games are are bowl games and we know that they can be like kind of a crapshoot but does this uh how like did they let the pack 12 down here you know uh it's like short notice, new opponent, but God, it's a Mac team. I'd give it like a yeah. five out of ten on the embarrassment scale. Like, yeah. we should not be losing to um, G five opponents, but oh, yeah, it was especially eight and four Mac Mac opponents. Like that's um, 
you know, I don't know what place they were. It looks like they were uh oh, I'm trying to look at I'm trying to look at the max standings. I don't know why I'm doing this. I've never I've never looked at the max standings in my life. You could, I couldn't even tell you what <laughs> who's in the Mac. Uh they were second place in the Mac. Second place in their division, second place overall. So I guess a decent Mac team, but eight and four you know, in the Mac is is like uh, five and seven anywhere else, or four and eight somewhere else. I'm kind of a college football sicko, and I'll like watch those Mac games on Tuesday nights because <laughs> um, <laughs> there's nothing else. Um, yeah, and like the Chips are a good team, and they have been for a while, but the Pac-12 should be heads and head and shoulders above that and yeah i don't know <laughs> happy to see um our in-state rivals choke that one away <laughs> uh yeah well speaking of rivals from one to the next <laughs> uh on wednesday december 30th we had the alamo bowl where oklahoma throttled oregon 47 to 32 uh the ducks gave up 560 yards of total offense to oklahoma no resistance whatsoever uh, how much of this one did you watch, and were you getting as much joy out of it as I expected you were doing? You know, it was the holidays, I was home, but I did watch the first, like, three and a half quarters, and oh my god, it was amazing. <laughs> 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 like, I, so the Cougs are like little brother, but god, I hate Oregon with, like, all of my heart, and, like, seeing them <laughs> just collapse like that, Anthony Brown being as bad as he's been all season and just oh it was shocking stuff from Oregon in the best way possible (laughs) yeah yeah it was it was they kind of it was shocking so uh the first two and a half quarters I was like this is the same game as the Oregon Utah game like it it was insane watching this again like for the third time this season where it was like oh oh Oklahoma got up big they got up big um they uh, at, at halftime, it was 30 to three, uh, which is nuts to me. And th- the final score does not convey just how lopsided this game was. And then it was like Oregon had their like, you know, um, their one drive where they kind of f- figured out that they should be running more and that Travis Dye should get more run. And then Oklahoma scored because Oregon offered no resistance. But then, you know, then I think kind of Oklahoma let up, I think, a little bit off uh, defensively. And Oregon was figuring out some stuff offensively. Uh, and it turned into a sl- mild back and forth. I mean, it was, I guess, fairly even by that point. Uh, yeah, Oregon outscored Oklahoma 29 to 17, I guess, uh, which I'm not sure how much you can take from that. But yeah, what it was, it was, it was bad. It was bad shit from Oregon again. Um, Anthony Brown's numbers look good. 27, uh, attempt, 27 completions off 40 attempts. Uh, three touchdowns, one pick, but like he, it was just the same. It was the same stuff. Like just couldn't get it past ten yards. Could not. You could not. You could not scheme Anthony Brown to to throw past ten yards. Um, and meanwhile, that Caleb Williams kid, my first time watching him because I don't watch truck stop football. I like people think that's a joke. <laughs> I literally don't watch anything outside the Pac-12 unless the Pac-12 team is playing. People had been it's... talking about him, but he looked he looked good. That was cool. Um, he he was awesome. Um. Who knows? Maybe there was. T- isn't there talk of him transferring to USC, going with Lincoln Riley? You know, there is some smoke. I'd be shocked if it happens because I, I just I just don't see him leaving with all the yeah. um competing quarterback talent at SC. But who yeah. gives Anthony Brown forty attempts and only runs <laughs> the ball with Travis Dye for like eighteen? Like, come on, Travis Dye looked great in that first drive and. They're like, no, we're going to throw it with this quarterback that has lost us like three games yeah. already single-handedly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot believe it. It's it's bizarre. Um, And, and Travis died. That was, it was, it wasn't just 18, it was 18 attempts, 153 yards. That was 8.5 yards per carry for him. Holy um, smokes. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this coaching staff. I, uh, Joe was Joe. Do you know if Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator, if he was calling, if he if he was coaching this game? I don't think he was. Was he? No, I think he's already at Akron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, clearly just some carryover from whatever the hell uh, was going on there. But um, 
Yeah, that's a uh, uh, depressing stuff for Oregon. The good thing is, like, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't really say anything about the next team because they've got a uh, uh, their head coach, their new head coach. I'm, why am I Dan Lanning? As if I haven't said that name forty times already. Um, and an entire entirely new staff. What do you so uh, from a Washington perspective? What do you think about their coaching staff now? You know, oh man, it seems like a somewhat risky gamble to grab. A D coordinator, no head coaching experience, young guy, and then he's hiring all his friends. You know, we've heard this story before. I I have some like a little bit of trauma from this type of story before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when was the last time they hired a defense who was the last team in the back twelve that hired a young defensive coordinator with no head coaching experience who then went on to hire nothing but his very inexperienced friends? Oh, it was Jimmy Lake. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. And hire, like, an OC that did badly. I mean, John Don, way worse than, than yeah. Dilly. But still, I don't know. Yeah. Like, Oregon fans have a lot to be excited about, especially in the recruiting department. I won't, like, I won't doubt that. But I don't know. Until they prove it on the field, it seems like a big gamble to me. Yeah, it feels like a huge gamble to me. I gotta get they gotta get some talk to some Oregon fans, I guess, on here. But Oregon fans are convinced this is this is an elite coaching staff. Some of them, many of them are. Some of them are not, but I think I would say most of them are. Uh, yeah, they're they, it's just like all recruiting. Uh, it, I we talked about this last week. It was just like it's it's an it's a bunch of dudes who recruit at an elite level. None of them like are good coaches. <laughs> like or at the very least are known as good coaches right like you have guys that are known as bad coaches like adrian clem demetrius martin so on and so forth and then you have guys who are just like you have no clue about like dan lanning kenny dillingham uh so yeah kind of kind of shocking but uh anything else about this uh alamo bowl um any thoughts about any marching band thoughts about either of these you know uh similar to usc the Oklahoma band plays Boomer Sumer after every freaking play, practically. If they lose five yards, if they gain seven, it's Boomer Sooner. And yes, I know there's like um, a beautiful story in the past about how um, the coach got kicked out or something and he told them, don't stop playing Boomer Sooner till we win. And then they won. And so now oh, they do it. But oh, it's so <laughs> that coach fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you was he had that excuse like a dude I don't know like on his dying breath or something just says just one more thing please please play that one goddamn song every play at least like I just wish that was a thing Oklahoma has an excuse some some dude said it but no one no one asked USC to do that yeah and I guess a big shout out to Bob Stoops coming back and coaching oh, yeah. that game and looking elite um that man obviously loves Oklahoma Oh man, I wish that he would have come to UW. Those rumors were so, so tantalizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, all smoke and no fire. But yeah, yeah, no, it was Seems... a very entertaining game to watch. Um, my bitter rivals collapse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they they look fraudulent. <laughs> They've looked fraudulent for like the last, really, their last what four games. Um, but man, they looked absolutely brutal. Um, okay. And then last one here, <laughs> we didn't talk about this. We, we posted an episode like the day that this happened Tuesday, December 29th. We were supposed to get, was it the 29th? Am I getting my days mixed up? It was the 28th. Yeah, when was, I think so. uh, so maybe it was Wednesday, ah, whatever, December, Tuesday, December 28th. Uh, we were supposed to have the holiday bowl between UCLA and North Carolina State, but five hours before the game, UCLA had to bow out and cancel. Um, I'm not sure how much you've kept up with, like, all of the post stuff that happened, Um, but Dave Doran, NC State's head coach, was pissed and was going on tirades about this. NC State fans were extremely mad. It got to the point where players were kind of... There was a rumor going out there that uh, UCLA players, like, voted um voted to not have this game ucla players denied that um including dorian thompson robinson probably the most visible player on the team said no we we would play y'all in the parking lot if it was up to us um so a lot of stuff on social media was happening post that game i don't know what did you think about uh 
just UCLA having to cancel this five games, five hours before the game and NC State's reaction to it? You know, uh, it seems like UCLA kind of screwed up. It looked like the roster was thin going into it. And then they went to SeaWorld, which is always ill-advised, but especially now (laughs) during Omicron time. Um, Shout out to SeaWorld for their tiny um, tanks. That shit's not cool. Um, yeah, that's not. But, that's not. Abolish SeaWorld, please. Yeah, heck yeah. You would, um, think, you would think it'd be gone now. How long has it been since Blackfish? It's been like 10 years or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. NC State is cried hard enough that the Holiday Bowl presented them with a trophy, which is just insane <laughs> to me. And they're going like, to hang that banner in their stadium and say that they won that game. Uh, that is that'd be embarrassing. <laughs> that'd be so. If they actually do that, that'd be super embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were wearing Holiday Bowl champion hats and shirts. Uh, there was a um, on TikTok going around. There was a TikTok going around of players sort of being like, "Oh, they made us miss Christmas, and we like travel all the way out here." They had their like hot Holiday Bowl champion hats and stuff like that. And there was an NC State player who like posted this TikTok, and Dorian Thompson Robinson was in the replies. <laughs> saying <laughs> crying on tiktok like over over a football game the uh, in your holiday bowl championship hat i think he said what did he say like he said something like cry bozos or something or go enjoy your long flight back home bozos or something like that <laughs> yeah you're like five hour flight back home to north carolina yeah oh. yeah <laughs> It was very funny. Um, you know, so, can you so, imagine complaining about getting a vacation to San Diego? I know. It's like, okay, worst case scenario, the game doesn't happen. Enjoy your four hours in San Diego. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know, buddy. You're from North Carolina. Like, I don't. What? what like, you weren't, like, you wouldn't, like, you didn't already come here to just hang out in San Diego outside of the game anyway. Bowl games uh, are just a big party with a football game like <laughs> smashed in there. Like just have a yeah. good time, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, I but I do get it. Like you, UCLA certainly could have communicated. I think. I mean, I had been hearing. I'm just, I'm just a dude who lurks on message boards. I had been seeing um, that UCLA was very thin at defensive line, and ultimately that was the position that kind of kept UCLA out of the game. Um, I, like I had been seeing that they were down some defensive linemen that they were going to be missing some guys like ten days before this, a little bit short, a little bit less, uh, less lead time than that, maybe like eight days. So, um, yeah, like it wasn't. It, it seems to me that UCLA certainly could have reached out to NC State and been like, "Hey, just so you know, we're we're down some guys. Uh, get 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 your phones ringing just in case you can get an extra." Um. And they and they didn't, but um, kind of, yeah, very bizarre, very bizarre. So anyway, another game due to COVID stuff and all the drama after, it and then the very nauseating discourse around like we're testing too much and you know just the same shit that we're going with through with the pandemic and the rest of this uh a uh, very stupid country. So very cool, very cool stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you ever? So uh, have you? Uh, when's the last time Washington was in the Holiday Bowl? I'm not sure if you've ever gone to... Have you gone to the Holiday Bowl before? You know, I haven't, but my band director would always talk about the Holiday Bowl being the best bowl for bands other than the Rose Bowl. Um, really? Apparently, they just treat you really nice, and they have a lot of like great events for you to play at. They do a battle of the bands, um, which is super fun. You know, they face the two bands towards each other, and you like trade songs back and forth. And that's like quite possibly the most entertaining and fun thing you can do in marching band other than like actually perform on the field. Um, yeah. So like shout out to the holiday bowl for being super cool to marching bands. Um, I did see that both bands got to do their battle, the bands. So at least they got that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did see that too. Like they were in the gas lamp or something doing, doing something. I didn't know that that's what that was, but, um, anyway, so, that was it. That was our only bowl games. So the Pac-12 ends up 0-5 in bowl season. <laughs> you may be wondering, where is uh, the recap of the Las Vegas Bowl between Arizona State and Wisconsin? 
Uh, the reason you're asking that is because we didn't talk about it. Why didn't we talk about it? Because I'm a moron and I forgot about it. Um, yeah, so Arizona State also lost to Wisconsin in the Las Vegas Bowl. That was on December 29th. I can't remember the exact date. Um, Wisconsin beat Arizona State 20-13. to 13. Uh, Arizona State, again, looked pretty anemic. Um, they only scored 13 points in this game, 6 points in the first half. Defensively, I thought they looked good. Um, I thought they looked... I, 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 I was impressed with Arizona State against Wisconsin. Um, I felt like uh, Jaden Daniels, again, had a game, a, a, a passing game that I thought was brutal. Um, I thought that he, uh, was wildly inaccurate as he, as he has been the back half of this season. Um, on the ground, he looked good when he wasn't like running for his life. Um, that Arizona state offensive line was horrific. Um, it was maybe, maybe the worst performance, uh, that they have had all season. It was bad. Um, now, again, um, no Rashad White for this game. He declared for the NFL draft. No Chip Trainum. He transferred to Ohio State. Big upgrade for him. Um, so they were obviously down two running backs. Danielle Nangata uh, was asked to carry the load. Didn't look particularly good doing it. But, again, I think a lot of that fell on the offensive line. Arizona State's offensive line, wildly disappointing, kind of considering what um, – we thought they might be, uh, especially early on in the season when it looked like this might be a top four offensive line in the Pac-12. The rest of the Pac-12 is pretty rough, but they off and they're in terms of their offensive line, pretty brutal. Um, it felt like the only player that I was particularly impressed with that had a good game was Ricky Parasol. Uh, again, just like <laughs> um, he only caught the ball four times, had 65 yards though, um, and a couple of them were just like Jaden Daniels jacking it up. Uh, out of desperation, which I don't blame him given how anemic Arizona State looked offensively. Um, and oftentimes when Jaden Daniels did jack it up, Ricky Parasol felt like every time came down with it. Um, so that was impressive. Um, Arizona State made Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's offense look pretty anemic. Um, I thought they got uh, that kid... <laughs> Apparently there was a 17-year-old playing start starting for running back for Wisconsin. He had 29 attempts this 20 this 17-year-old 29 attempts, 159 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. Insane shit. He was he was trucking Arizona State particularly in that first half. He was really the only player that I was impressed with for, with for Wisconsin. Um just he was he was trucking Arizona State's defenders outside of him. Arizona State kept everything else pretty much in control. Um, I, I was, uh, I was impressed with their defense, but again, and this has been true really for the last half of the season, that offense is dog shit. Um, it's bad. Uh, I, I, it just, it doesn't feel like they have playmakers. It doesn't feel like they, like, where do they go? Um, it's hard to say. So Arizona State has a lot of shit to figure out next season. They're going to have this coaching staff basically to do it. They're going to have one of the worst recruiting classes in the Pac-12 at this point. Um, so next year might be kind of dark. I'm just not sure who's going to who's gonna play running back for them, given what, you know, look, running back, you it's, it's not hard to find a good one. Um, is Danielle Nangata going to be – you know, Benjamin, I don't think so. Um, and Rashad White's better than, you know, Benjamin. And, and that's why I'm sort of saying, you know, Benjamin is like a baseline. Um, and he was still pretty good when he was at Arizona State. But I don't I don't know. Uh, Arizona State has a lot of stuff to figure out. I, I'm i I'm a little sad Jaden Daniels is uh, not transferring just because I think he could, he could use a real change of scenery. Um, the way he's looked oh, over the back half of the season. And again, I blame this all on coaches. Like I, I truly think Herm Edwards coaching staff and Zach Hill, they've ruined him. Um, so anyway, brutal stuff for Arizona State. Uh, actually, the Pac-12 went Owen. No, they did. They did finish 0-5 in the bowl games. Um, 
But anyway, we forgot to talk about Arizona State, Wisconsin. That's completely my fault because I'm dumb and didn't put it in the show notes. So I just spliced this in here. <laughs> um, really, the only competitive game that the Pac-12 played in the truly competitive. I don't. I don't count the Washington State game. It was the Rose Bowl. Um, luckily, that was the Pac-12's best team that had the best showing. So that's good. But I don't know. What do you think about the Pac-12 being 0-5? And uh, do you have any? Do you have any? Is there anything that gave you any hope for next season? Well, Utah's offense gave me a whole lot of hope for next season. Um, yeah, they're going to be like the odds-on favorite, um, which will be really exciting to see. Um, I don't know. I still think that Wazoo got the right guy um, for their head coach, and mm. they're sort of grit to come back in that game. Like I don't know, they could be good next year. Um, it wasn't yeah. all terrible, but uh the winless record in bowls. Like people, we're gonna hear that for the next eight months. Um, yeah, from all the truck stock conferences. And like we just have to show up during those early season out of conference games, because like otherwise this is gonna parlay right into that. Um, I don't know. It's like deeply yeah. frustrating as a Pac-12 fan because you watch the teams, and like it's exciting and it's fun, and you know there's a ton of talent there, and then it seems like nothing falls the right way in all these big games. Yeah, I yeah, it's uh, you're right. We're gonna get another nauseating. Uh, just just more nauseating talking heads talking about the Pac-12 being winless and not having a bowl win since t- January 2019. Um, was that January 1, 2020, since the 2019 season? Um, so, yeah, two years without a bowl win, and that was the Oregon-Wisconsin game that, you know. Uh, so it's going to be nauseating. I, I totally agree with you. I think it's true that bowl games are like, People realize bowl games are crapshoots. You can't take much from them. But like as an ag- at an aggregate level, like the Pac-12 performing like this, uh, we knew that this was the worst Pac-12 season maybe ever. I think statistically, it's very close to that actually. Um, but uh, but man, they really showed it in bowl season. And like I don't know. I, I like the good thing is um, Utah will be better next season. We I think we expect that. It seems that a vast majority of their contributors, Britton Covey's gone, but they're bringing back their tight ends like Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy. Uh, I don't think we know about Tavion Thomas yet. He may still be going. Um, so, but their defense is mostly coming back, and except for Devin Lloyd and and um, oh, who's the who's their uh, who's their edge rusher? I can't, I can't. His name is uh, Mika Tufua. Sorry, uh, yeah, Mika Tufua. I, think is old enough and gone uh if i remember correctly uh no utah fans to check me but uh but you know the rest of their defense is pretty young uh pretty talented so that'll be that'll be they have they have a chance to do something pretty special next season assuming uh usc's death star isn't fully operational by then which like (laughs) oh you just don't know i've been dreading that the entire ever since they hired lincoln riley so uh anyway so I, i i I don't know. The good thing is, so I was trying to be positive. Um, and then Washington State, like Jake Dickert will get a full off season. Um, so hopefully that will help. Oregon, they can throw away this bowl game because like their entire coaching staff is different than the the coaching staff that really led this bowl, uh, bowl game. They're gone. So we don't have to worry about them. Um, and then Oregon State might be one that we're a little worried about. Don't know what was going on with them other than the fact that they have like serious serious issues on the road um so stuff to be excited about but also you're just like uh, i don't know and we know washington's getting a new coaching staff obviously um ucla who knows what they're doing but uh but yeah what do you think about washington's coaching staff are you excited about uh what kaylin DeBoer is doing over there in terms of hiring you know i'm cautiously optimistic um he's hiring a lot of g5 guys which really worries me it just seems like our athletic department hasn't been willing to shell out the big bucks. Um, hmm. And then, you know, losing junior to Oregon, uh, that hurts. That is like a dagger to the heart. Um, he's He was probably yeah. one of our best recruiters, and now he's gone. Um, and his guys, they played good last year, considering um, just the most archaic offense I've ever laid eyes on. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess I am excited to watch an offense actually function. Um, if we go like six and six, obviously I'll be disappointed, but at least it'll be somewhat less like horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a reasonably watchable six and six. Um, Totally understood. Okay, well, uh, that's it for our bowl game recaps. Uh, I did want to ask you, what's uh, what's your favorite moment from this uh, this season? Oh my goodness, favorite moment! Uh, it has to be um, Utah winning the Pac-12 championship in just like dominant, soul-crushing fashion in Vegas. That was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was really it. Was really fun and really cool. Uh, for me, I think. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of funny moments in the, in the Pac-12. Um, gosh, it's it's hard that the Utah beating up Oregon twice was um, shocking and also really fascinating. Um, my favorite moment. I, I asked you this question. I didn't even have one prepared. Um, it it might be Utah playing the way they did against Ohio State. I know it's kind of soul crushing. I know it kind of hurts, but. Um, I don't know. Utah was really going uh not just toe to toe but controlled the vast majority of that game. So that might be that might be my my favorite moment just getting to watch that and getting to watch Utah overcome a bunch of humps like the USC hump, um getting over that where they had never won a game in uh the Coliseum against USC before getting over the, you know, the Pac-12 championship game as a hump, getting over Oregon the first time kind of as a hump and then doing it again the second time. So, um no, I mean, it was it was really cool to see them kind of kind of overcome all that stuff. But uh, but anyway, uh, any other thoughts about this season before uh, before we wrap up here? You know, all in all, entertaining but disappointing Pac-12 season. Uh, the Rose Bowl magic was real. Um, God, it was crazy, um, and I don't regret any of the time watching down to like watching Wazoo play somebody in a fog bowl at like eight on a friday um (laughs) it's always god (laughs) (laughs) there was definitely some weird moments uh that uh it was oh there was there was many many weird moments this season (laughs) um but yeah there was some there was some bizarre stuff anyway well thank you so much for brian as always you can follow brian at b underscore c-h-i-z-z-l-e one seven chisel 17 on twitter um and uh Follow No Truck Stops as usual at No Truck Stops Pod. That will do it for us. Um, for Brian, I am Carlos. Uh, tune in next week. Again, programming note, I uh, completely forgot about this. We are doing our football finale where we'll be recapping the entire Pac-12 season, talking about our favorite moments, our least favorite moments, and just doing a little bit of look ahead uh, to 2022. And then that'll be it for football, but we're still posting basketball episodes. Um, we'll record those Monday nights and drop those Tuesdays mornings at 5 a.m. Pacific. Anyway, for real this time, for Brian, I am Carlos. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Still and thick with smoke So take me